from Portland, it's the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. Today, the guys break down this week in weather, what a La Nina winter means for the Northwest, and they'll have your Cities of the Week. Now here they are, Brian McMillan, Mark Nelson, and Jeff Fordron. Hey everybody, welcome to the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. We've made it to episode two. I'm meteorologist Brian McMillan, along with Chief Meteorologist Mark Nelson and Meteorologist Jeff Forgeron. Guys, how are you? Excellent. Good day, huh? A, a great day. It's a perfect day out there. What is it? it it's. I think we're going to make it into the upper 80s here today, I think. It's getting kind of hot. Jeff, did you notice it's a bit, we're getting close to 90 already? Perfect for who, Brian? Uh-oh. It's perfect because it's, you know, you can get out in the morning, you can enjoy, it's warm already when you get out in the morning, and then if you, and then I guess I work in the afternoon, so I don't even notice how hot it is. <laughs> so that's why. <laughs> Maybe not perfect for, for everybody, but for me, it, it works out well because I don't go to work until, you know, 1030. No, yeah, I so- noticed it. Bro- Mark, I was already out watering, mm-hmm. and I had to wear the bucket hat just because that sun is still pretty intense out there. Um, and I don't want to water or do any yard work this afternoon. Yeah, I did the same thing. Brian is right. If we work the afternoon shift, unlike you, uh, I got up, do my stuff, did a little bit of weed whipping, sat around the pool for a few minutes, and then came to work. And now uh, now it's all comfortable in the studio with the constant 71 degrees. Hey, uh, before we get into this, Mark, quick question. Is there... Uh, would you say that during this time of year, you hold off on watering your tomatoes so that they ripen faster, or are you still watering them? That's funny. I've heard that. I've heard, especially in September, you know, you should back off. And I've also heard tomatoes don't need that much water, I guess. I don't know if that's true, but um, I have heard that. I'll tell you this. When you get to Labor Day, I often get pretty rough on the really cutting them back to kind of shock them and finish them up. Okay. Well, I think I've been watering them too much. They're all still green. They're plump, but none of them are turning red. So I'm kind of holding off on watering them and seeing how that goes. Yeah, that's kind of the fun of gardening is then um, see what happens. Cut them off. See what happens. There you go. (laughs) It's low stakes, right? Unless you, like, need that food, you know, that's the only food you have. It's low stakes because if you mess it up, you can just go to the grocery store and get it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Hey, guys, let's get to our uh, local headlines. News headlines are next. Here's what's happening right now. All right, so uh, what a week, huh? Uh, We got a little bit of rain here, finally, finally, last week. That was on Wednesday, and uh, boy, that was nice. That was nice for everything. Just that refreshing, very cool day. And when I say cool, I still mean mid-70s, but cool for this time of year. Uh, Did you guys guys enjoy it? I thought it was was Thursday. (laughs) Wait, that was was a great start. (laughs) It was on Thursday, Thursday, Brian. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Was nice. it Thursday or was it Wednesday? <laughs> I think See, it was... when you're at home, when you work from home, every day meshes <laughs> together. <laughs> you know what? Jeff is right. It was Thursday. It was Thursday. Because <laughs> I know Wednesday was nice, and then I, I knew it was coming up. I made the big stink about it at home, saying, hey, bring everything inside, folks, because it's going to be wet tomorrow. We woke up, and it was raining. Successful forecast. Well, it was it was awesome getting a little bit of rain on that day here. I, I know that the the, uh, the plants wanted it, the grass wanted it. I got this huge like dead patch in my in my grass <laughs> that I just can't revive. I think there's a bunch of tree roots. Mark, do you think that the tree roots can kill my grass? Because it's like there's just no saving it every summer. I think that the the, the uh, tree roots are scoop, scooping up all that water. Oh, I, I think so. Yeah, I think if you all have right. trees over your lawn, it's going to happen. You know, one or the other. 
They're Bri- the worst. Brian, I have a big ponderosa pine in the back of my yard. It's probably 120 feet tall. And wow. the root system is destroying the lawn outside. I mean, there are green areas, and then around that ponderosa pine, it's all brown. So I think it's sucking up a okay. lot of the water. Yeah. We actually yeah. had – we have so the, – the tree roots can be awful. And last last year, last winter, we had uh, one of the trees in our – like in the area around our house puncture – our main line Uh-oh. and just just over years and years and years it probably it just finally snapped and we, our water bill was really high in the winter and i was thinking man should we not be giving the kids so many baths but no <laughs> it, was, oh. it was just slowly <laughs> leaking out in our yard all winter long wow yeah you know if you go out in the woods and you see under a, a thick forest there isn't much growing underneath and there's a reason you know the trees yeah. take all the nutrients in the water so there you go well, anyway, that was great. We had a wonderful weekend as well. I mean, it wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. I, that's kind of been the story of the summer so far, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And did you notice the cooler nights, guys, over mm. the last week? Not every night, but a few of them have been chilly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, running the AC unit in the bedroom a little bit less now and opening yep. the windows a little bit more. Um, I think it was Sunday morning, this past Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I think we saw four or five cities, at least on our metro area city map, where temperatures fell into the 40s. And I think Vernonia was at about 42 at one point in the morning. So it's Ooh, it's definitely starting to get chilly. chilly out there. Yeah, I had a 44.5 two different nights in the last week. I'm, I'm kind of way out there, you know, in the woods. But um, that was chilly. I mean, you come, we, we closed our windows by 11 p.m. And the, here's the biggie. The pool is down to 74 degrees. <laughs> Mark has an above ground pool. And it's it's a big one too, right? This yeah, is, it's, this is it, massive. It was a Craigslist of smoking hot deal, like <laughs> four hundred bucks, and it was worth two thousand. But how um, long, yeah, how, how long does it take to fill that thing up? By the way, uh, the rain fills it up in the winter, and then we just top it off each spring. Okay, all right, so. all right, yeah. But, and, um, and, but it, what's the warmest that that thing gets? Last week at the end of that hot weather, it was up to 84, so that was nice. But, boy, just you, you get a few nights where it's down in the 40s and then the uh, a cloudy day or two, and it's suddenly the pool drops 10 degrees. So these, these are first-world issues, as we say, right? Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> It'll come back up today. The only thing that we have is a kiddie pool out back, and that thing heats up pretty fast for the kids, so. It yeah. also gets disgusting and dirty really fast, Ew. too, with no filter. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, really nice week. Uh, looking ahead here this week, it looks like we kind of have a little something for everybody temperature-wise. I've been working on the forecast here. Uh, coming up, we got a couple of days with a little bit more cloud cover and temperatures back down into the 70s. And then this coming weekend looks toasty hot again with highs back into the 90s. Brian, I just checked the Euro Ensembles while you were talking. I see they're back up today. Uh, yesterday evening, they were down a little bit for Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday, but boy, they're back in the mid-90s again. <sighs> yeah, just, just in two time days. for the weekend. Yep, yep. All right, well, we're, we're going to talk about our big story now. And our big story here this week is La Nina. We have a La Nina watch right now here, the, the uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric administration has issued a la nina watch mark what does that mean okay here's the deal with la nina so uh we have most of you have heard of el nino which is a warming of the tropical pacific right Uh, that happens some years and uh, then in other years we have cooler than average temperatures that develop in the tropical pacific and uh, it was you know el nino was named because uh, fishermen off peru would notice it would happen around christmas time you know the boy the uh, uh, the Christ child. So that's where El Nino comes from. La Nina is just the flip saying, okay, well, if we're going to call the warming a boy, let's call the cooling the girl. Um, 
and then your next thought is right that um why do i care here in oregon or washington what does the warming or cooling of the tropical pacific mean to me well the deal is it's such a large area uh, of cooling and warming that it affects weather around the entire globe and so we had two el nino winters the past two winters and now it appears, and like you said, Brian, NOAA has us under a La Nina watch. We appear to be entering weak La Nina conditions right now. All right. So um, next question is, what does that mean for us? So these, these weather effects ripple out across the globe. Uh, generally, uh, this applies mainly to winter. We tend to see the North Pacific jet, which gives us all our storms in the wintertime, tends to be a little bit more wavy which means there's more of a north-south component to the jet instead of just traveling west-east. So we, we tend to see more weather action in La Nina winters, but we also tend to see more of what we call blocking, which is um, where the jet stream for at least a, a few days says, hey, I'm going to suddenly go north and south. And when that happens, there's more interaction with cold Canadian air here, uh, typically in these uh, La Nina winters. So... Um, that, those are the basics of what happens in the La Nina winter. Noah's fairly confident that we'll, we'll be entering La Nina, uh, an official La Nina episode at some point in the fall or the winter. Whether it's kind of marginal, a weak one, or a really strong one, that's to be determined. That's based on computer modeling. And, of course, with computer modeling, we're not sure exactly how it'll turn out. But um, And, of course, the big question is, yeah, of course, uh, the big question is here as we look towards winter is, is how does this impact snow in Portland? How does this impact windstorms in Portland? Like what what when we look back at either week La Nina years, what uh, what were the trends? What did, what did we see on those uh, during those years? The number one thing we notice in La Nina winters here, especially west of the Cascades, is uh, we tend to have above average precipitation. La Nina winters here are dominated by that strong jet bringing frequent weather disturbances. And uh, that westerly flow is just tends to be wet. That's the one, number one thing. And, of course, with that, we, we can get flooding. So we tend to have more flooding in La Nina winters. And then the number two effect would be, or is that number three? I guess rain and flooding go together. So that's one and one A. So number two is mountain snow. Um, let's see, five out of the last six weak to moderate La Ninas brought above average snowpack up a government camp through the winter. So we, we tend like to have. That. Yeah, skiers. When they hear La Nina, when you hear La Nina as a skier or snowboarder, you should think, ooh, that's generally pretty good. We tend to get good snowfall, and we tend to have colder storms, so that's good. Not all. Every once in a while, we get a La Nina that's a real stinker. 2000, 2001 was terrible, but um, that's a number two thing. And then we have some more minor things that show up in some La Nina winters. We tend to get a little more foothill snow, like 1,000 to 3,000-foot elevation snowfall. Um, and as for windstorm, we're way overdue for a windstorm, a major windstorm here. We haven't had a, a region-wide major windstorm in the Pacific Northwest since uh, 1995. So oh, what's wow. that? 25 years. We're coming up on 25 years. And so, you're talking a windstorm that impacts everybody, knocks out power to hundreds of thousands of people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Something that maybe swoops up the coast there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that what you're wanting, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> Columbus Day storm. No, I'm not, I don't <laughs> want that necessarily, but yeah. uh, th- those types of storms. And of course, here's the biggie. We all want to know about snow and ice in Portland, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. There you go. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so Portland snow and ice. Um, this is interesting. Anyone who says a La Nina winter means lots of snow in Portland, you're mistaken thinking that because average snowfall in like a week to moderate La Nina, it goes up a little bit, but it's not really a dramatic increase. It's pretty interesting. There's only one La Nina in the last 30 years that's produced a major snowfall here in Portland. Remember when that was? 
It was 2016-17. Okay. Remember that big year? Yep. Was that the year that all the kids got stuck at schools? Yeah, that was one of the years. Uh, <laughs> no, that was the big year. Remember, it was 12, 14, 16? Yeah, oh, that's right, yeah. December yep. 14th, 19, uh, 2016, yeah. So um, we had, the last time we had La Nina's, they behaved very differently. Because in that 2016, 2017 year, yeah, we had event after event. We had a freezing rain. We had snow. We had the big snowstorm that dropped, what was it, 14 inches in one night in downtown Portland. We remember that day, right? Yeah, I, I remember coming home from work that night at 1130, and uh, it's, it started snowing, or it was snowing pretty pretty good by then. And I woke my wife up, and we were going to wake the kids up. We said, ah, no, let's just let's just wait until morning. And, and then to wake up the next morning to, I think there was 11 inches at my house here on the west side of the metro area. It was unbelievable. That was amazing. Even had a little bit of thunder in the middle of the metro. Middle of the metro really got nailed. Um, so uh, that's the only time in the last 30 years that La Nina has produced a major snowstorm, which makes me think when we get our big snowstorms, it's just it's a little more random in that everything has to line up no matter what kind of winter uh, it is. So here, here's a biggie. So that was 2016-17. Then we had a La Nina the following year. They behaved very differently. The following year, 17-18, uh, very quiet. We had a little bit of snow Christmas Eve, which then turned to freezing rain. Then January, check this out. Uh, January 2017, that's the one where we had the big snowstorm, the average high was 39. The next La Nina January, the average high was 51. We had a warm and dry January the second year, and uh, that was that second La Nina year, 17-18, was one of the only La Ninas where we didn't get great snowfall in the Cascades. It didn't happen until February, basically. So they each act differently. We will see how it looks as we get closer. Yeah. So you're telling us we can't count on anything, then? Well, I think the number one is we tend to be wetter and cooler than average. But now nah, we, we cannot say uh, if I hear Jeff Fordron go on the air in October and say, hey, guys, I guarantee a 10 inch snowfall on December between December 15th and 30th. That might uh, get me a little uptight. You'd never do that, would you, Jeff? You're suggesting I shouldn't do that, Mark, right? <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea. All right. Maybe I'll hold off. No. Um, Jeff, you have anything you want to add here? Well, I, I arrived in Portland, March 2019. While mm -hmm. I was interviewing for the job, I remember seeing one or two events that brought snowfall down to sea level. I remember seeing uh, one of our older reporters, Tyler Dumont, out in Seaside reporting that morning for whatever reason I was watching. And my mindset was, I've got to get prepared for these winters out here. I don't have a four-wheel drive vehicle. I'm going to be living... I was living at about past year and a half about 700 plus feet in elevation mark we've had conversations brian we have had too uh, about what's it going to be like if i'm commuting with a couple of inches of snow on the ground um last year i think we totaled out at a half an inch of snow at pdx it was a pretty mild uh dry winter um so i boring. haven't we call it boring yeah i haven't yeah. had a big experience winter wise out here just yet i'm kind of hoping for that to happen but at the same time, I don't want these massive traffic jams that you guys have told me about that occur when we have big snowstorms. Luckily, uh, we have uh, we have two brand new hotels going up right near the station. That's There's right. There's going to be lots of room uh, in case people need to stay there so they can walk How convenient. Work. Yeah. Very convenient. <laughs> I've stayed at one of those. I think during the big snowstorm in 08, I stayed at one of those for three nights. Oh, wow. They have lots of room during snowstorms because all the business travelers stay away. Thankfully, we have showers at work, right? 
We do. Very nice showers here. Lots of hot water. <laughs> right. I don't want to spend a week here, though, really. I love work, but uh, I don't want to be here for a week. So maybe we'll just have one of those quieter La Nina winters with great ski conditions, but just like one three-inch snowstorm in mid-December, and then that's it. I, I think that's going to be the big thing that that uh, we because that affects a lot of things having a lot of snow up on the mountains you know that that affects us later sure. on in the spring and, and even into the summer depending on how much snow we get um it, it's good to it's good to have a good snowpack up there on mount hood and in the cascades yeah so we'll see how it plays out uh, it's just interesting how two la nina winters can behave very differently across north america and, and so the biggie is there are many other factors that play into our winter weather and we're kind of still in the infancy of, you know, seasonal prediction. And we just know this El Nino-La Nina oscillation is just one of the things. Clearly, there's other stuff going on that we haven't keyed in on very well. All right. Something really interesting. I was reading, uh, Mark, you kind of suggested looking at Cliff Mass's blog up at the uh, University He's of good. Washington. Yeah. And he noted that once we get into August, uh, the climate models are pretty accurate. They're about 80% accurate in predicting El Nino, La Nina, or a neutral year. And so the fact that we're seeing a La Nina signature in August, it, there's pretty high confidence that it's going to happen this year. So we'll just have to see how it all plays out weather-wise. Yeah, there's that thing called the spring forecast barrier where, you know, it, we get past one winter, we get into March, April, May, June, and the models may, the, the long range models may show like a Lady Nina or El Nino. But yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of skepticism until we get to mid to late summer and then they kind of hone in on it. It's kind of a known thing like, Ed, eh, kind of ignore those models in May, June, and July. Yeah. You're right. All right, guys, we're going to do something fun here. Unless you, is there anything else you want to talk about with La Nina? La Nina is not fun. What do no, you mean? it is fun. No, 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 it is fun. But we're gonna play a little game here. Ooh, games. A, a game, and we've all what we've all done is we've all picked a city. So this this is our uh, cities of the week. Time now for Brian and Mark and Jeff. Cities of the week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that was an old that was an old little bit that we did there. But uh, Jeff, we're gonna we'll we'll make sure to get your your name in there as well because you're so... participating. I feel so left out. Brian. No, don't feel left out. No, no, no. We no, love no. you. We love, we love you, man. You. Absolutely. I'm just kidding. And in fact, I think, uh, well, let's let's have Mark start because, you, Mark, you've done this before here. And so basically how this works is Mark has researched a city that's somewhere in the state of Oregon. And Jeff and I have to guess that city. And uh, this is, you, you guys can all play along too, everybody that's listening. And uh, we'll see if we can get it. So my city is in Oregon, as you mentioned. Of course, we'll cover Washington cities, and sometimes we do international cities. And, and you may be thinking, so this is a weather podcast. Why do I care about a city in Oregon? Well, one, it's kind of interesting. But another thing, guys, is, is we like to talk about the weather in these different places. So I, I like to end up with, uh, end with, you know, what kind of weather do they have there compared to, like, here in Portland? Okay, here we go. So this is a city in Oregon. Um, it's the fifth largest metropolitan area in Oregon. Um, it was incorporated in 1905, and it started as a logging town. Any guesses? Well, let's see here. A logging town. That a really log- narrows it down. I know, right? Uh, the fifth largest. So uh, I'm thinking that Port- Portland's number one. Number two is either Eugene or Salem. They're real close to each other. So the, the other one is then number three. And then uh, a couple of other big cities would probably be Medford. So I'm going to – Nope. Oh. I'm going to go with Bedford, no? Nope, no? okay. Uh, good good guess. The elevation is about 3,600 feet. Brian will get this first, I'm sure. 
Uh, and the name. What that, did you say? What What was the elevation? Elevation is uh, three thousand six hundred feet. Okay. And the name was derived from a, a designation, uh, a location on a river where they could. Uh, uh, pa- Legrand. I'm really messing it up. I'm trying to come up with, with, with not using any of these names. It was a designation used by early pioneers to refer to the location along this river where the town was eventually platted, and one is, it was one of the few fordable points along the river. Um, is it Bend? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. nice. All right. Don't you get like a ding, ding, ding noise? I do. Yes. Hold on. Hold on. Here it is. Wait for it. Nice. <laughs> nice, <is>. Brian. <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't say it was derived from the name Farewell Bend. Uh, and once I said that, I knew you guys would get it. Uh, here's a, a few more interesting things. It's one of three cities in the continental U.S. to have an extinct volcano within its city limits. You know what the other two are? There are two other cities in the USA that have an extinct volcano. What are they? Mammoth? Nope. Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, Who knew? Interesting. And Portland, of course, Mount Tabor. Oh. So this is amazing. Is that? You know what's amazing about Bend? I remember as a kid, well, when I was in college, it had 20,000 people in it. And then that was in 1990. In 2000, it went to 52,000 people. In 2010, it had 77,000, and it's estimated to have 100,000 people. So it has just skyrocketed with people over the last few years. I, uh, I lived in Bend for two years. That was my first TV market, and uh-huh. I loved it so much. Uh, like, you know, if I wasn't making... You know, it, what I was making at the time, which is at, when you when you go to your first TV market, it's it's nothing. You make nothing, uh, and <laughs> not the big bucks I like a, now. I had a friend who was the manager at McDonald's there, and he made more than me. That's how much. Wow. That's how much you make in Bend, folks. And, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So uh, otherwise, I would live there probably my whole life because it's just it's just an amazing city. Go you know why? Because a lot of people love the weather there. Let me, let me go over a few of the weather facts here. So it's typical of a kind of a high desert, cool nights, sunny days climate. Uh, averages 23.8 inches of snow each winter. Not maybe as much as you would think. And just precipitation is only 11 inches. So that's desert. Uh, it's kind of on the edge of where the, the ponderosa pine forests end and it goes out into the desert. Um, the frosts are not unheard of in the summer months. Jeff, you would not be able to grow corn or peppers or tomatoes in Bend because, uh, let me see, I had this right here. Oh, yeah, their growing season averages only about a little less than three months. Get this, in half the years during a 30-year period, so 15 out of 30 years, there was a freezing temperature after July 1st, and then the first below freezing temperature of fall was in August. So that's less than a 60-day growing season. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, up there in the high desert, I mean, it gets it, the, some nights, you know, you, or you, you'll go out with friends or something like that, go out to eat, and then the sun goes down. I mean, it cools off like that. Got to well, make August. Sure you bring a sweatshirt. Yeah. Right now, the average high is 81, which is pretty much the same as Portland, but the average low is 46. So Ooh, just a yeah. huge range. One more thing. This may, this may affect its future at some point, maybe in a year, maybe in 500 years. Uh, they've got the Newberry Volcano. Uh, just just southeast of the city limits. It's only one of four volcanoes in Oregon with a very high threat of a future eruption. Really? Southeast yeah. of Bend? Yeah, just the Newberry Volcano. It's just huh. uh, Paulina Lake, East Lake, or in the uh, caldera there, crater, I guess, caldera. And so at some point that will erupt. It's a shield volcano like the Hawaiian volcano, uh. so it would put out really runny lava that would flow big distances. So at some point that could happen. Wow. 
Uh, good one, Mark. There you Mark. go. Great That's one. my city. Yeah, awesome. Yep. Love me some Bend. All right, Jeff, do you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. Um, I'll be honest, my city is not as populated as Bend, so we'll just start off there. All right, uh, first off, my city's located in the Blue Mountains. All right. Okay. Does that, does that narrow it down? <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> All right, it's located in Grant County. John Day? No. Um, oh. I think this one's going to give it away. I suspect Mark may guess this just based off of this um, this clue. It recorded the coldest temperature ever oh. in the state of Oregon. Seneca. Seneca, yeah. That's right. Yeah, we you are good, Brian. You know what's hilarious? I picked the exact same city. No! <laughs> That's why I picked two. That's Brian, I told you I picked two. I would go last in the case that we picked the oh, same no. city. Oh, we took a okay. chance. Tell us more about Seneca, though, Jeff. Yeah. Um, it's main industries are the cattle industry or cattle ranching and the timber industry. Um, that's about it for me. Mark okay, had, what, like, what, about 20 facts on Bend, and I, uh, I was not it, as prepared. What was the coldest temperature registered ever in Oregon? <laughs> yeah, I guess we should cover that part. Negative 54 degrees, and that was back on February 10th, 1933, I believe. So, so I, I just wonder what the wind chill was. It's calm, usually. That's true. It's, okay. Have either of you guys ever driven through there? Uh, no, I have not. No. You'd have you'd have to drive from John Day to Burns. We've been through there a few times, and, and basically, there's nothing like when you drive through, you wouldn't think, "Oh my gosh, this is the coldest place in the world." Almost. No, it, it's basically just a a flat valley up at what is it, five thousand feet, forty five hundred feet, and. Um, there's just trees around, and then the, the, the main part of this kind of round valley that's a few miles across is just open, you know, fields. And um, I think cool air just sinks in. You know, it's all snow-covered most of the winter, so cool air just sinks down every night. So I'm pretty sure it's calm there. During those really cold nights, it would always be calm. Good one, though, Jeff. Great one. Brian, nice. did you have a backup plan? I have a backup plan, of course. Why not, right? Yeah. All right. Are you guys ready? Sure. Yeah, of course. Let's okay. go. Th this uh, city was incorporated in 1907. It's funny. We've all picked uh, We've all picked eastern Oregon towns, okay? So uh, th this was uh, founded in 1907. And this is one of the largest cities in eastern Oregon. It also features... <laughs> And let's see if Jeff gets this, because I think Mark Mark will. Uh, it features the hottest temperature ever recorded Pendleton. in Oregon. No, that's not it. I think Pendleton's oh, okay. tied, isn't it? Oh, wow. Nobody said one of those yet. <laughs> I should have on the last one. It's yeah. Prineville, right? No, it is not Prineville. <gasps> give him, oh, the, give him sorry, that Mark. sound effect. There you go. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. Keep going. Not Prineville. Okay, this is in Umatilla County, population 18,415. Uh, it's known for watermelons. Hermiston. Which is part of its branding. Yes, Hermiston. Wait, Hermiston. tell me about that hottest temperature. Because yeah. I know there's been de big debate in Oregon among meteorologists about the actual hottest temp. So what do you have and there? The, and that's the thing. Um, let's see here. Okay. And it all depends on your source too, right? Uh, let's see here. 
1898, uh, they registered 122 degrees in Hermiston. Now, Mark, do you know of a hotter temperature than 122 degrees in Oregon? No, but there, in the past, at least, I've seen uh, Prineville and also Pendleton is like one, 119. 119. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, it's tied with Redmond, Oregon, who also hit 100. What in the world? This way, I've never heard of the 122 in Redmond. Because if it was uh, 122 in Redmond at 3,600 feet, what was it down at, for example, Madras or Hermit? Yeah. Keep in mind, this is uh, 1898. So <laughs> I don't know if there were people or thermometers down there. They were measuring with their feet. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know there were some doubts about some of the, the Pendleton and maybe the Prineville records as well in the past. So, yeah. But 122, and, I don't think uh-huh. I've heard that one. Yeah, well, there you go. I'm going to look the, into the, that. The power of the internet, and yeah, maybe uh, you know, maybe it's wrong, but uh, <laughs> but but uh, with with these temperature readings, Mark, that go back, you know, seventy, eighty, a hundred years, how do we know that they're reliable? Well, that was a bit has been a big issue in the past. For example, do you guys remember for something like eighty years, the world temperature record was supposedly in Libya? I think it was yes. 136. Yep. And then somebody went back and looked with, this was within the last 15 years, somebody went back and did a study and realized that for like a two-week period, that person in Libya wasn't reading it correctly. And there had been a jump during a two-week period, then it came back, and yet surrounding stations didn't have that same jump. So they realized, wow, some, you know, in the past it wasn't as, it was a little more sketchy, let's say. Okay. Well, good stuff, guys. That was fun, huh? Well, what, are you going to tell us more about Hermiston? Oh, I guess I can, sure. I want to hear about like. it. Tell me more, Brian, like a bedtime well, story. Summer, summer times are, are pretty warm out there. Uh, this month, August, the average high temperatures in the upper 80s. July is their hottest month of the year, where the average temperature is 90 degrees. Um, let's see. Lows, though, are pretty darn comfortable. You know, you have those really hot days in the summer. It drops down into the low to mid-50s during the summer, so it's real nice at night. So that's great. And then you get into the winter time, and it gets downright chilly. They get some snow out that direction as well. Uh, average snowfall, eh, 11 inches. It's not that much because they don't get a lot of precip over there, but um, only 8 inches of rain a year, 8 to 9 inches. Pretty dry. I mean, there aren't yeah. many trees around there except along rivers. Yeah. So there you have it. There's Hermiston, which uh, I've only driven through. I've never, like, actually, you know, had had dinner there or anything like that, but I've, I've, I've driven through it. It seems like a nice little town. We bought a camping trailer there. The people seem nice. Yeah, great. That's my experience. That's really There you go. We, all, we picked three eastern Oregon towns. Next time, uh, we're going to have to maybe mix it up a little bit, do some, some of the coast or here in the valleys. Or southern Washington. Don't forget that. Of course. Of course. Well, I think that'll do it, you guys. It's been fun. Good stuff on La Nina. Good good cities of the week here. We're going to be back next week, next Monday, for another podcast. So make sure you uh, make sure you tune in for that. All right. Have a good week, guys. See you guys later. See ya. Do you have a weather question? Call 503-548-6484 and leave a message. It could be featured on a future episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Fox 12 Weather Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Head to kptv.com for the latest forecast and weather information for your area. 